were listening to from Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 178. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. I just got back from an excellent family vacay in the panhandle of Florida. It was beautiful white sandy beaches, so soft that they didn't even rub the calluses off my feet. (laughs) Barely a wave to be seen. Uh, There was a little tiny shark that showed up at one point. There was definitely some dolphins dancing out there in the ocean. Went and did this really cool aquarium habitat place called the Golfarium right there. Um, in between Destin and Fort Walton Beach. It was absolutely spectacular. It was an awesome opportunity to meet my girlfriend's mom and sister and her niece for the first time and just a really amazing experience. And one of the things that going off and enjoying these relaxing, and I'm using air quotes here, relaxing situations is being able, for me, for me, being able to actually relax so I run myself pretty hot and heavy. Like I, I, I work a lot. And the things that I call work, I actually quite enjoy. But they are things that I do for my business, um, for the company I run, for all of the different things that I teach. I mean, even whenever I'm putting together my show notes for this show, that's still work. I enjoy the heck out of it. There's no place I'd rather be, but it's still paying the bills, sometimes better than others. <laughs> And when you start to really embrace your sobriety and recovery journey, there are going to be aspects of it that you're really going to want to begin to self-evaluate and in asking yourself, you know, what is going to benefit me and, and what is going to benefit me less? Because there's always a benefit to actions. It may You might think, well, how is there a benefit to wrecking a car? How is there a benefit to getting into an argument? It's what you do after the fact. You wreck the car and you learn to drive more responsibly or to be more self-aware around particular situations where a car accident might happen. You get into an argument and the benefit of that is you have an opportunity to make up and have a conversation that discusses in a more rational, calm manner what it is that the expectations each person has for one another whether anyone should have expectations because we know they are the leading cause of frustration, there's a conversation that gets to happen afterwards that becomes the benefit. So even in things that we can perceive as negative, positives can come from them. When I broke my leg skydiving um, in August of 2016, I considered it to be one of the worst days of my life because it was going to stick me in my apartment, bedridden for three months. Now, had I been a professional football player, they'd have had that whole thing fixed up and I'd have been back on the field in four weeks. But because I was just a normal person who didn't need to have that knee operating at its 100% tile all the time, I basically got told to just elevate it, ice it, and good luck. That led me to drinking copious amounts of alcohol, which I was already prone to doing. But now I didn't have to be anywhere for the next three to six months. Work furloughed me, and next thing you know, I'm blacked out drunk all the time, and six months of that led me to sobriety. So what I consider to be one of the worst days of my life, breaking my leg and and messing with my MCL and my meniscus and all that stuff, actually turned out to be one of the most amazing things that could have happened to me, because it sent me down a spiral 
that ultimately led me to sobriety and then ultimately led me to recovery and led us all here today. So when I go and work, 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 like I'm blessed to be in this position. When I first got sober, I didn't think any of this stuff was possible. I didn't even have any of this stuff on my radar. The podcast, the book, the speaking, the career, what I've turned in, this whole thing into, this wasn't on the radar. It was survival. It was like, how can I just drink water today and not puke it up? How can I just make this meeting and not be you know, disgusted with myself and why I'm even having to be here? Or how can I connect with some of these other people that are around me because we all have a similar journey that led us here and, and stop judging them and, and being mad at them because I'm really mad at myself. I mean, there was so many emotions tied up in those first few days and weeks and months. And we've talked a lot about over the last few months, setting standards for ourselves, how we can step into the beginning stages of changing these massive habits in our lives and the energy we can use for them. We talked about the languages that we use and how we talk to ourselves. Um, here soon, I'm going to be start. I'm going to be bringing in some amazing topics that I'm um, learning from a class I'm currently taking through the University of Alabama. And we got past goals and standards. Aubrey came on the show and talked about how we use NLP to help us overcome traumas. Um, you know, this addiction to sobriety and life as a habit loop that we get ourselves into. And one of the loops that I find myself often in the midst of gathering more self-awareness around is my ability to shut my mind off and just be to just be present, to just be in the moment, right? Past is where we learn things, right? We, we, we've, we've done things, we've experienced things, and then we can go back and we can think about those when we're looking for the lesson that that moment was, was there to present to us, present present. It's a gift to have these opportunities to look back on things and say, okay, what was the lesson there? All right. The goal, especially with NLP, is to leave the hardcore emotions and trauma, leave those feelings in the past where they belong, take the lesson, bring it to the present, and use that lesson, leaving all of the other stuff in the back. We, 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 we leave it back there in the past where it belongs, and we take the lesson from it. It can be really difficult to wrap your head around that if you suffered some really hardcore, let's say, sexual abuse, physical abuse as a child. You're like, Jesse, what lesson do you possibly want me to take from being molested as an eight-year-old? And I would never wish that on anyone in this entire planet to have to have their vulnerability and their their safety and their certainty in life to be just completely exploded by having something that traumatic happen to you at any stage in your life, let alone as a child. Now, what will end up happening is that you'll root that traumatic moment into your life, and then you'll you'll base your self-worth, your self-esteem, your self-confidence. You'll base a ton of who you think you are on that moment. Well, clearly, I'm not worth anything because this happened. Or you'll snap the complete other side and be like, I am worthy of everything because this happened. And, and either extreme is not going to be beneficial for you long term. We seek to heal through the trauma, understand that the person who created that trauma in your life, had, they themselves had a tremendous amount of trauma, right? This is where you hear about people forgiving those who've harmed them, 
when you can have that empathy and says, man, you must have been really, really, really going through some stuff to do that to another person, right? That's where that forgiveness can start to come in. And when we really dive into these past traumatic experiences, there's lessons regardless of how heinous the crime was against you. There is a lesson there, right? Even if it's something as simple as like, even though this happened to me, I am still worthy. I was a kid. I had very little power. Now I understand that I am in control of my life. I can choose the situations to be involved in, and I can choose the environments to be around. Moving forward, I will have situational awareness around who I am involving with, the environments that I am being a part of. And if I feel something uncomfortable, I will just leave. You could do this whether it's around creepy people. You can do this whether it's around going into establishments that serve alcohol or perhaps there are patrons there utilizing drugs in order to achieve a sense of whatever we were all doing with the drugs, right? Like sometimes I walk into a place and I'm like, you know what? I really wanted to play some darts, but these drunk stone people, I just don't want to be around this. I will sacrifice the playing of the darts in order to not be in an environment that I walk into and I just do not feel it. So as you start to really cycle into your sobriety and recovery and going back to my original statement a few minutes ago is being able to shut my brain off and just be in the moment and be present is something that um, I continuously am working on. My mind will be thinking a lot about the past and ruminating and spiraling and corkscrewing. The same things I talk to you guys about, the same things I caution you against, I talk about them so frequently because I experience them so frequently. It's the human mind, right? It spends a tremendous amount of time ruminating on the past because that's what it knows. It can dream about a future, but now it's just conjuring up images and sights and sounds and tastes and smells that it desires to create. But there's no certainty around the creation of those daydreams, of those dreams in general. But there's absolute certainty when we start to think about our past. And even then, we're only remembering the past the way that our brain decides it wants us to remember the past, the way we filter, the way we process information. We've talked about this before, delete, distort, generalize. Those are your processes, your filters, time, space, environment, mood, personality, metaprogramming, your values, your beliefs, your opinions, all of these different filters work with the processes to give you what you remember. You will not remember it exactly as it happened. As much as you will swear that you did, There will be parts that your mind will unconsciously manipulate and you will not realize it's happening because of these filters and these processes. Now, you can have self-awareness around things and you can start to question the reality that you have been ruminating on for years and years and you can ask other people who are there and you are going to get an answer from them that is based upon their minds processing and filtering the amount of information they're able to store is going to differ than the amount of information you were able to store. So when you go around looking for justification for your behaviors or, you know, making amends to people, they very well are going to remember it very different than you. And so as I think about all of this stuff, 
and I think about my past and I ruminate and I corkscrew and then I then then I snap myself out of it and I you know I let my mind play it to the credits I let it do whatever it's going to do I then come back into the present moment and say okay I want to be here I want to be on this beach I want to have the soft sand in between my toes and I want to enjoy this moment I don't let myself off the hook very often I keep myself very well-organized and structured, and I have my routine, and going places and on these journeys is an opportunity to no longer have to follow the exact routine that I always follow. It's an opportunity to embrace uncertainty, to really be in the moment. And we as addicts can have a hard time with this. And I honestly, let me just take the word addict out of there. Humans in general, can have a hard time with this idea of relaxing because our mind will be off spiraling on the things that we should be doing, could be doing, or would be doing if we weren't in this moment, right? We're at the beach. We have worked hard to get to the beach. We saved up our money. We did all the research to get the hotel. We figured out all the places we wanted to eat. There was a lot of work. That was a well-deserved trip, the one I just went on, and any of the ones that you might have gone on this summer as well. Those are earned. So when we want to step into the moment and relax, how are you doing that? See, this is that that idea of what is relaxing and what is resting to you. What does it feel like whenever you're resting and relaxing? What does it look like? For some people, it's a mountain. For other people, it's the ocean. Or what are you saying to yourself as you are relaxing that you've earned this? that you've busted your ass to be able to provide this for yourself, for your friends, for your loved ones, whomever you're with? Or are you saying, you know, I don't deserve this. I should be working. I should be saving. We just dropped, you know, $2,000 on this trip between five people and all that money could have been saved and spent on freaking cell phone bills. I mean, is that how you're talking to yourself? Or do you talk to yourself and say, hey, we worked really hard. This is why we work. I don't live to work. I work to live. I work to have the finances and the stability to be able to go off and enjoy these things. Is this the way you talk to yourself? Do you like the smell of a forest or the smell of the sea? What kind of food do you want to eat while you're there? Do you want to taste the 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 cuisine that is for that area? Or would you prefer to just eat the same meals that you always eat because that's the kind of routine you enjoy? Either way, it's good because it's for you. Are you an introvert? Do you recharge your batteries by alone time, by quietly sitting on the beach and reading a book and listening to your music and just meditating away the day? Or do you want to take a long walk in the woods, whether it's with or without somebody, in complete silence and just listen to the birds chirp? Or are you an extrovert? Do you want to be around people? Do you want to be around lively conversations? Do you want the beach to be packed so there's cool new people to meet? Do you want to just go and start strike up conversations with random people? Do you want to go into the restaurant or the bar and listen to the live music and be able to enjoy that regardless of what other people are imbibing? But regardless of what other people are eating and doing, you are able to enjoy it. all of these people and recharge yourself. Are you an ambivert? 
So you do things that are introverted, you know, some of that alone time, you know, reading and meditating or journaling or whatever it is to just be alone and not have to entertain anybody else's wants, needs, or desires. And then you also enjoy recharging by being around people and being in lively conversations and telling jokes and laughing. Then you're an ambivert. When I first hit record on this podcast, my idea for the title was, relax, we're going to be here a while. Or rest and relax. This is going to take a while. And I'm still not sure what the title of it will be. But this whole conversation was elicited out of me yesterday when I was talking to my buddy Thomas, who you've heard me reference many times. And we were talking about building companies. He has he does one where he teaches people how to interview and be on camera and set up lighting. I mean, really, if you've ever wanted to be, you know, some sort of uh, social media influencer, or one of those kind of people, that's you would go find somebody like Thomas. Um, he's got decade experience in the field, and it was amazing when we started to compare notes about the two businesses that we're creating. And one of the things he said was, you know, I just remind myself when I first got into this, I remember hearing from other people that it's going to take a while and it's going to be uncomfortable. And that really elicited this entire conversation because it's going to be uncomfortable. And in fact, if your life at certain stages, at certain points is not uncomfortable, you are living in your comfort zone. You are tranced out. You are not pushing yourself confusion, frustration. These are side effects of growing. Like when you were young and you were hitting your growth spurt and your your joints ached, your knees ached, your muscles ached. This was a side effect of the growth. And when you have growth in your mind, you will feel frustrated. You will feel confused. A sense of anxiety or panic or stress will be evoked from you because you are forming new neural pathways in your brain. Even if you've done something similar in the past, right? Like, let's say I love the ukulele or I've been jump roping. Let's do the jump roping because I've been doing that a ton, right? And it's like everything was going really great until I shortened my rope. I was to the stage where things were getting too easy and I wasn't progressing because the rope was too long. So I had to shorten the rope. It was part of the process. But in doing so, I had to form new neural pathways because now I just lost three inches on each side. So now when I started to flare my arms out, which when the rope was six inches longer, I I could still continuously jump and move my feet around and, and do all the little tricks that I had learned. As soon as I shortened it up, now the jump rope was whacking me on the back of the head a lot. Now I was getting it caught under my feet. So even though I had created these neural pathways, these synapses had already been firing, I'd already learned stuff, by changing the length of the rope, it changed the dynamics of that entire activity. And now I had to build new neural pathways on top of the ones that I had already created. This is how your mind goes from having a one-lane road when you're first learning something and you're a little bit more frustrated, you're a little bit more confused, you're stuck behind some big-ass tractor combine thing and the speed limit says 55 and you're going 15. You get frustrated because you know right around this combine is nothing but open road, but you're in a no-passing lane. That's what it's like for your brain when it first starts creating new habits. You can you know what's on the other side of the combine. You know what's on the other side of that tractor. But your inability to get there isn't necessarily just because the combine is there. 
It's because you haven't yet figured out the new techniques of, of being able to pass at the right time. And right now the metaphor is getting a little out of control. What's important to note is that when you begin to learn this new habit and it begins to build these new neural pathways, you don't have to worry about going around the tractor anymore because you'll just build another lane and then another lane and another lane and another lane. And eventually you'll be so good at that, that no matter what tractor shows up in your path, you will know which lane to get into in order to move past the tractor. Obstacles no longer become these insurmountable hurdles, right? They actually just become something that you get to you naturally, through habit, move around. You start to see the depth of field. You start to see how far apart all the tractors are. And before you know it, you're just, you got a 20-lane superhighway and you're just weaving in and out. Sure, it takes some effort in the moment to figure out the new way to weave around the tractor. But ultimately, because you have been doing this for so long, you just naturally get into the flow. And before you know it, there's wide open space. But when you settle for what you've always had, then you don't get to enjoy the the excitement that comes from taking on new things. From finally going from a one-lane road to a two, to a four, to an eight, to a 16. And then looking back and saying, okay, now it's time to shorten the rope. So when you go to rest and relax and you, and you really hone in, oh, are you external? Right? Are, you, are you an external person who needs the extroversion? Are you internal where you need the introversion? Are you a combination where you're an ambivert, where you do a little bit of both? That's me. I used to think I was an extrovert because I was always drunk. I just and so because I was always at parties, I thought, well, I'm naturally an extrovert. It turns out I just didn't want to sit at home and drink alone. So I would go places even when I didn't feel like it just to basically justify drinking a handle of vodka. When I got sober, all of a sudden I realized I really liked my office. I really liked my bedroom. I really liked my apartment. It's not that I've gotten boring in as much as I've just figured out better ways, more desirable ways for me to recharge myself. And there's definitely a part of me that's been there, done that. When someone's like, oh my God, you got to go to this bar. It's so hilarious. There's a bull in the middle and people get on it and they get tossed off and everyone's drunk and falling over themselves. I'm like, yeah, I've been to 12 places like that. I'm good. So you get older, you've just done more things. You've experienced a ton, and you could have experienced all those things sober as well. I know plenty of people who are standing next to me at the cowboy bar with the bull in the middle and people making asses of themselves, and they were drinking one beer and calling it a night and being able to just laugh and enjoy themselves. But that wasn't us. We rang a different bell. So what do you do when you want to relax? And now let's shift the conversation as we wrap this episode up to what do you do when you come out of the relaxing? Because inevitably, and this is a pattern I've noticed about myself, so I prepare for it as best as I can, knowing that there are going to be some hiccups. But when I come out of a vacation, the very first day back tends to be a very rough day for me. I question whether I deserve the vacation. I look at my emails. I've got like five email addresses. I've got four different social media accounts. I've got all this stuff going on. There's messages galore. I've got to figure out which ones are y'all, the listeners of the show, asking questions, wanting to know more information, hitting me up for coaching and all of that stuff. Conversations that I've been carrying on with some of you for months and months and months on end. All right. And then there's also the emails that come from prospective 
people who want to come on the show or have me go on theirs. And then there's just the work emails I get from all the people I work with. And then of course there's just enjoyable emails. And then I, um, then I have the same thing going on in social media land, not to mention all the projects that I am also working on in order to build the business and continue to grow it. So I come back on day one and it's just, and I just look and it's, my brain just starts to crumble upon itself. Oh my goodness, I shouldn't have left. I could have had all this done. I wouldn't be behind. I wouldn't be behind. And it ends up being a pretty tough day. And so this is where I'm going to bring up a really cool conversation I had with someone. I think it was on Instagram. Not important, but it was over social media. And it was one of y'all. It was one of the listeners who said that when she heard me talk about you're not stuck, you're standing still. That She had another um, viewpoint of that. And it was that she's moving in doing things, but they aren't the things that she actually wants to be doing or believes that she could be doing if she was focused on actually accomplishing the goals that she set for herself. And I know I've talked about this before, this idea of procrastination and dilly-dallying around doing things that aren't really getting you to where you want to go. But it was really cool how she had framed it for me and immediately thought, well, this is an excellent topic to bring up, especially coming out of vacation. Because yesterday I realized that I did a lot of things that weren't necessarily moving the business forward, but they were just things that, like I looked around the office and it was cluttered because I had thrown everything into a backpack. And so there was, you know, storage shelves open and clothes on the floor. And it just, it was disorganized. Organizing my office was not going to be a monetary reward. It wasn't going to grow my business, but it was going to help me declutter my mind. So when I looked around my office, I didn't see everything cluttered. I didn't see crap all over the place. That helps me work better, right? Unloading the car, cleaning the car, going to the gym, even though I wasn't in the mood to do a hardcore workout and it was Wednesday, right? Even just walking around some circles, getting an aqua massage, doing some abs, right? There, these are those things that I could be doing to just get my mind back into the work sphere. So when I come out of a vacation, the first day is a lot of me questioning whether I deserved the vacation, whether I should have spent all that money and put everything on the credit cards and how am I going to pay them off and all this other rigmarole, right? Which in a way almost devalues the vacation because I had a blast. I wouldn't go back and not go. If anything, I wish it could have been longer. And at the same time, I'm really glad I'm back. So you have this juxtaposition. You have these two competing sides. I earned the vacation versus I shouldn't have gone on vacation. Right? I earned that time to relax versus, well, now I've got a ton of stuff to do. So now I'm going to be feeling like I'm playing catch up for the next couple of days. Now I can choose which one of those energies to sink deeper into. And I can also just choose to say, well, this is where I'm at now. I'm in the present moment. What is something that I can take action on that will start to move the needle forward? Organizing the office, figuring out how to hang up all my picture frames, realizing it's National Recovery Month in September and I'm ready to and super fired up to start, you know, putting out some videos and some social media on that, right? Add that on to the things I'm doing with all the others, right? And it's like, okay, well, what can you do today? What can you do right now for one minute that will move you towards more? Sometimes you will be moving around and you will think that it's for nothing. You'll have a big project to do and all of a sudden you'll find yourself underneath your sink cleaning. You didn't need to clean underneath your sink. You're definitely procrastinating, right? But that's it. You found yourself in the middle of cleaning underneath the sink. So your option is to stop halfway through 
and now go sit back down in front of the computer, whatever you were working on, and actually get it done. Or just finish cleaning underneath the sink, be happy that you did that, and then go work on it. Either way, what you're doing in that moment is you're creating a picture of yourself and what you think you could be doing, should be doing, or would be doing if you weren't currently doing the thing that you're doing. Let's say that again because it was a little riddly. Either way, when you are cleaning the sink or you're sitting at your desk working, your mind is creating a picture of what you could be doing, should be doing, or would be doing if you weren't doing the thing that you're doing. And the mind does this (laughs) unconsciously damn near all the time. You work your ass off to go and have a beautiful dinner with your partner, and then while you're there, you're thinking about work. And then the whole time you're at work, you're sitting there thinking about how you want to be at dinner with your partner. You're cleaning the house thinking you should be at your desk, and then when you're at your desk, you're thinking about how messy your house is. When you go to shift yourself into the present moment, there is that part of you that is just going to have to come into agreement that what it is you're doing right now is what you chose to do right now. And you can either be gentle on yourself and say, okay, well, this is what I'm in the middle of. Let's finish it. Or let's stop halfway through and let's go back to this other thing. Now, if you can finish the other thing and then let's say working at the desk and then come back and finish underneath the sink, then kudos to you. For me, once I'm in it, I'm just in it. And whether it's what I should be doing at the moment or not, I'm just going to continue to do it because it's the decision I made. This podcast was seventh on the list of things that I could be doing today. And I chose to shoot this because I haven't put out one since last week. It was time. Plus, I wanted to tell you all about my trip and all of these cool stuff I've been thinking about. When you have this opportunity to see inside your mind, and like one of my listeners, um, Robert, he told me I could say his name on the show. He, um, he lives in South Africa. You know, he sent a message the other day. He goes, I, and it was, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something to the effect of, I just want to let you know how much you fucked up my life. <laughs> and what came after it, and I saw that show up on my lock screen. I was like, oh my God, what did I say that's ruined this dude's life? And in the end, it was actually, it was actually a compliment because he's like, you have introduced me to a level of self-awareness that I did not know was available to me. I can't make excuses. I can't blame other people. I literally have to accept responsibility for my actions and then do something about it. And now I'm getting shivers just repeating that and again, paraphrasing it. But that's the powerful nature of the human mind is that when it accepts responsibility for what has happened, regardless if it was its fault or not, it can then begin to provide solutions for how to heal how to move forward, and how to begin to take the action that will lead you to becoming the higher version of yourself that your mind seeks for you. You don't have to want to be a better version of yourself. Even if you have been beaten down by life, there will be a part of you that tells you you are worthy of more. It might be a very, very faint voice, and sometimes it might only be my voice, but there is a voice that exists that tells you that you are worthy of more. The key is that you have to earn it. When parents tell their kids you can be anything you want in this country, it's the land of the free and home of the brave, they are very correct. They are very accurate. The part they leave out is that you have to work for it. It's not necessarily whether you deserve the promotion, you deserve sobriety, you deserve a better life. It's are you putting in the work to earn it? Even when you're floating around your house doing things that aren't what you actually think you could be doing in that moment, it's still something that has some level of importance to you. 
So embrace it in that moment. Just do it. Get it done and then sit down in front of the desk. And when you start to feel uncomfortable, when you start to feel frustrated, when you find yourself stuck behind a tractor going 15 in a 55, realize that if you can just move through that uncomfortableness, if you can just be okay with not knowing how to do something, while also knowing that you can learn to do things, it's in those moments that you can break through that frustration and confusion. You can start to do it a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And before you know it, it's a 20-lane superhighway. And no matter how many tractors get in your way, you can weave through them. It's not sobriety that sucks sometimes. It can just be life. And yes, I talk a lot about your perception and it only sucks if you say it sucks and it can just as easily be an opportunity to learn and grow and evolve through applying and evaluating. I say this stuff all the time. And it's not that I don't still fall back into beating myself up, getting frustrated, walking away from the computer, and cleaning underneath the sink. I do it. I do it. The topics I talk about on this show are being talked about because it's things that I'm experiencing. It's things that I'm learning. One of my one of the tribal members, Tim, once, and maybe it was even Kalen, brought up one time, he's like, you know, you tend to repeat the same phrases for a few months, and then all of a sudden you just stop. And my response to that was, that's because I've habituated those. I've turned those into my new way of being. But I will repeat them ad infinitum. Is that the right way? I'll, I'll repeat them till you're, you are freaking tired of hearing them. Because I'm doing it so I can habituate it too. This, no one's an expert at life. If they claim to be an expert at life, do not listen to them very much. Because if they aren't experimenting and trying out new things and feeling uncomfortable and feeling frustrated, then all they're really an expert at is just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Well, I'm perfectly fine figuring that, doing that on my own. <laughs> I don't need any additional help in doing things over and over and over and over again the same way I've always done them. <laughs> Trust me. I got 22 years of that experience under my belt. And I'm still doing it. So we're going to get you out of here. Uh, this has been, you know, I had some show notes and I was going to talk about instant gratification and impulse control. Um, I will a brief on that because it, when you go to relax and when you go to chill out, there, there can be this sort of instant gratification. Like you don't just instantly relax any more than you, you know, can just instantly get anything of note accomplished. I mean, there's something right there. Anything worth accomplishing is going to take time. Mastering life, building the best version of yourself, all of these things are going to take time. If something happens quick, one, you, you place little value on things given to you for free and easily. There's more value when you've had to work for them and you've had to put in the time and the effort and the steps and the energy of it. It's just the way that it is. We value things that are hard to obtain. Now, again, hedonistic adaptation will say that at some point we begin to even out on that again. So like I've talked about in the past, you have to anchor something into the new car or the new job or the promotion so that you can still understand how hard you worked for it and how valuable that thing is in your life. You don't have to value your car above other humans, but you can absolutely value your car and continue like I have for five and a half years to still look at that car. I call her Sobria Fe because it's sobriety in a Santa Fe to value that car for what it represents 
my ability to have nice things and take care of them because I'm sober and I'm responsible now. When impulse control, and you just want to do, 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 you want instant gratification, right? The moment something pops into your mind, you don't even stop for five seconds and ask yourself, could this potentially cause me, you know, an ecological disaster where it's not good for me, it's not good for others, it's not good for the world. Has crazy whacked out, you know, party animals, we did not really exercise our impulse control very well. It's that instant gratification. Gimme, 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 gimme. Mine, 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 mine. So when you go to rest and you relax, it can be challenging because we're used to now, 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 now. What do you mean I have to meditate for for months in order to enjoy the full benefits of quieting my mind? No, I want to quiet my mind now. Just give me five second mind calming relaxer breaker thingy and I'll then that's good. <laughs> this version of ourselves that we're seeking to achieve, it's going to take time and it's going to be uncomfortable. Ask yourself, what do you do whenever you want to relax and rest? Introvert, extrovert, ambivert, external, internal, right? And also be thinking, yes, sometimes you're just standing still. So you're not even stuck. It's just you're just standing still. And then sometimes you're not stuck or standing still. You're actually moving around like a busy little bee, but you're not working on the things that you actually believe will bring your life more value. It's in those moments when I just say, you know what, no matter how uncomfortable this is, for the next two hours, I'm going to push through. For the next one minute, which is one of the reasons I'm going to launch a um, social media show called The Jesse Mogul Show, Unfunk, F-U-N-K, Unfunk Your Mind, because saying, you know, fuck on social media probably isn't going to get me a whole bunch of love. And the, the subtitle is One Minute to More. One Minute to More. Do it for one minute, and eventually you'll want more than one minute. And each time you do something for one minute, you get better. You grow. You might be floating around your house like a bee, feeling like you're not doing anything of of actual importance, that it's all inconsequential. But somewhere in your mind, there's a secondary gain to cleaning out underneath the sink instead of doing the work. Understand what that is. Stop and ask yourself, Why was this the thing I chose to do in order to procrastinate? And then go sit down at the desk, open up the computer, the book, whatever it is, and then just start doing it. And when it feels uncomfortable and it feels like frustration's coming in and the stress and the anxiety of feeling frustrated and uncomfortable begins to warm up your body, that's when you sit in it. You sit in it and just don't stop. Jesse, give me a quick trick. Make sure I don't stop. We'll discuss other ways of doing that, but I'm telling you, at the the bottom of it all, the crux of it, all of it, is that you just keep doing it. Uncomfortable and frustrating or not, you just don't let yourself talk yourself out of completing it. You're having a conversation in your head. You're arguing about whether you should be doing your step work or writing out your four truths or working on this project and you're doing all this mental gymnastics in order to talk yourself out of doing something that matters to you. Just stop it. Just say to yourself, no, you're not getting up from this desk so you will figure it out 
or you'll just keep sitting here. Like when you're a kid and your parents are like, you're going to eat all your vegetables and you don't get to get up from the dinner table till you're done. Yeah, I sat there one time till midnight. I still had to eat those damn vegetables the next day. That super sucked. And yes, I look out the window at the forest and I daydream and I conjure up new speeches and new projects and all this other stuff. But all that's doing is just further procrastinating what I'm sitting in front of the computer waiting to complete. And I might daydream for 20 minutes, but it doesn't mean I get to get up from that computer. I will sit down and I will complete this because it is something I've asked myself to do. It is important that it gets done. And sometimes I look back months later and I'm like, I don't even remember what the hell I was working on in June. But it mattered then. Sometimes it comes back and it's like, wow, I'm so happy I got that done. And other times I find it on the computer saved and I'm like, I don't even remember doing this. Why the hell did I even work on that? But it mattered in the moment. So I completed it. Sobriety, your journey into recovery. It's going to take time. Sometimes you don't even know what the benefit and the value is going to be long term. But once you've told yourself it's something that you want to do, then do it. And even if you stare out the window and daydream about your beautiful life or you ruminate on the past, whatever you're daydreaming about or having nightmares about, at some point you're going to have to look down and you're going to see that work still sitting there waiting for you. There's no magic pill. There doesn't need to be a five-second refocus exercise I teach you. You just simply say, let's do this. The benefit, the value, who knows? Like breaking the leg, you know, on uh, August 13th of 2016, had no idea that six months to the day later, I would be showing up at Kaiser Permanente ready to be embracing a whole new life. I had no idea. What was once the worst day of my life became the best day of my life. You don't always know what the benefit and the value are in the moment. But if you step into the experience in your way, and you are as present as you can be in that moment, great things will happen. All right, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our life because and when and where and all of that jazz. We wake up sober. Shout out to sunshine. Glow on. See you next week. Bye-bye. 